Let's finish up 2015. We jump, get ready to jump in to a new year. That, Lord, we would be able to look at life through your eyes, that we would be able to say, blessed be your name in spite of the struggles and through the struggles and through the problems of life that you are still on the throne. You are still all-powerful and almighty. Lord, as we look at your word this morning, I pray that you would help us to understand that. That you would help us to see that with our eyes. Lord, we've heard of it. Help us to experience it. In your name we pray. Amen. This morning we're going to look at uh, Job chapter 42. And uh, just as a heads up, um, if you haven't read Job, Job's a very interesting book. Um, not the most cozy, comfy feeling book. Um, but at the beginning of Job, there's a man named Job in the, in the, uh, in the country of Uz. And um, God says, have you seen this guy? This guy follows after me. And of course, Satan says, well, you know what? He'll walk away if you uh, take everything away from him. And it starts this long 38 chapters uh, of, of Job and his friends and his wife. He loses his family. He loses everything. And yet he doesn't turn away from God. And that, that blessed be the name, that's where that, that uh, uh, song comes from, comes out of Job. And uh, chapter 38, God finally has had enough. And he says, now, all right, Job, now I want you to listen. Now I'm going to talk, God says. And Job listens to God as God speaks to Job through chapter 38, 39, 40, 41. And we come to this very point where Job responds to what God has said, which to me is absolutely amazing. I don't know what what you guys, what happens to you when someone criticizes you. Someone questions what you're doing. Someone asks if you really know what you're talking about. The very first thing I do is get defensive, right? I think that's what's so powerful about this passage. And it's a, you know, it's a teeter-totter. We're right in the middle. All of the things that had happened to Job here, Job has a decision to make. And this is how Job responds. And to me, it's, it's amazing. Job 42, uh, verse 1. It says, then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. You ask, who is it that obscures my counsel without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak. I will question, and you shall answer me. My ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. May God add his blessing to the reading this morning. Just ask this morning that he would quiet our hearts. Lord, that the words of this... Him would be our, our motto, be thou my vision. Lord, that we would put you first in our life. 
that we would find the joy and excitement in a relationship with you. And Lord, that we would be able to turn away from the things of the past. And Lord, we'll give you all the glory. Lord, I pray this morning that your words would be spoken in a mighty way. That your passage, that your message would come forth. And that you would get all the glory. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Has anybody had a Job kind of year? Anybody ready for 2015 to be done? Yeah. <laughs> You guys, I don't know if you realize, this is week 52. That's crazy to think. I, someone told me a while back that once you got to 40, the hills, you got over the hill, you know? Gene, you understand, right? <laughs> Gene's birthday was yesterday. Uh, once you get over the hill, it starts to roll faster. And I'll tell you, it, it really does seem like it rolls faster. Because I, I don't know. I, I, it just seems like it was just January. We were just piling snow out here, and now we don't have any snow. Uh. <laughs> and yeah, and everybody's excited. I'm missing it, yes. I am missing it. I'll be with you this year, Ken. I'm missing it. So this passage, you know, we're looking at um, Job, a guy that had a pretty rough time. He had a rough year. He lost everything. He lost it all. Everything. His family you know it's bad when your wife says, curse God and die, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know you've gotten to the bottom of the barrel. It's been a rough year for Job. And I don't know about you, but we all have struggles. We've all had problems. And the question is, how are we going to respond to those problems you know, there's, a, there's a, uh, a quote that says, no one gets out unscathed, right? We all are going to have struggles. We all are going to have problems. There are going to be issues. It would be nice if life was just as happy, go lucky, all flowers and roses, and, but we know that it's not that way. It's not going to be that way. We aren't promised any of that. There are going to be struggles in life. And you will go from one valley to another valley. There will be, be valleys in our lives. What is really powerful to me in this passage is that Job responds not in the way that I would respond. Absolutely the opposite way that I want to respond. How do you respond when things are bad? You know, my observation is that those with the strongest faith are able to respond in a most positive way. Think about that. And ask yourself, I ask myself, how do I respond when things go bad? If I get a flat tire, and let's think about it in real life. Is a flat tire all that big a deal? No. I lose my phone. Absolutely not a big deal. And yet, how do I respond? How do you respond? We get frustrated and we get angry and it's so quick we're just, ugh! How would you feel if God talked to you and said, Listen, Job, 
You have no clue. And that's pretty much what God's telling Job. You don't understand. Who is dark? It says in the, who is darkening my counsel? <laughs> he didn't. Job was clueless. Now, Job had some friends to help him out, you know, as he worked through all that. We all have friends, right? <laughs> Well-meaning friends. Today's passage, I think we're right in the, we're right in the fulcrum. We're right, all of everything else, everything up to 42 is on that side. And if you want to find out what happens to Job, I'm not going to tell you what happens to Job in the rest of his life. But you can read, there's only, uh, I don't know, maybe 10 or 15 verses in Job. Uh, it's 6 through whatever it is, 17 or 20. You can read and see what happens to Job. But there's, there's some keys in this passage although not a very big passage, there's some keys to this passage to help us find a fresh view for 2016. See, I'm not much for uh, resolutions. If you didn't notice from the, uh, the uh, countdown timer, I-, I hope you appreciated that. I- I'll eat one value meal a week. I'll get my shoes on the right feet. That was for Bobby. Make sure he could get his shoes on the right feet. Um. But the reality is, I don't know about you, but I'm not huge on uh, making resolutions. But if you're going to make a resolution, there's no better place to start than your spiritual walk. And Job is showing us in this passage how to do that. He's giving us some understanding of where we are in life as compared to God and what we need to do to make those changes for 2016. The very first thing he says in, uh, in verse 2 is he recognizes his understand, is where he is at. He acknowledges to God that he knows where he's at. He says, I know you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. What he's doing is he's responding to, to chapter 38 where he says, when God says to him, who is this that darkens my counsel with words of words without knowledge? Empty talk. Job recognizes right there that he is a sinner saved by grace, by God's grace. God is in control. God is in charge. And he recognizes that. See, I think a lot of us, we all, we all say we want God to lead our life. But it's a whole lot different to say it than to actually show it, to act it, to act it out. It's two very different things. We say it, but who grabs the wheel, right? <laughs> who grabs the wheel when we get to some spot that it's not so uh, comfortable? Or when something happens that we just don't know what we're going to do with? Who grabs the wheel? And you know, if we're good Christians, we can even find a verse to connect it to. Right? You know what I'm talking about. We're able to find a verse that says... What we believe. I actually wonder if, um, if we're, instead of being a part of God's plan, that we want to put God into our plan. Think about that for a moment. Instead of being a part of God's plan, we decide that we're, we're going to put God in our plan. And Job realizes in verse 2 that he understands that he stands at the foot of the cross. He stands underneath God, understanding that he has no 
standing in himself. It reminds me of two things. My standing depends solely on God, not on me. There's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can do. It says in, uh, in John uh, chapter 6, no one, Jesus speaks to the crowd. He says, no one can come to me unless the, fa- unless the Father who sent me draws him. Do you understand that you have no standing unless God calls you and God pulls you? That's how hopeless we were. Without the cross, without Jesus, that's how hopeless we are. And the second part, we don't have much room to point the finger at other people. I will tell you that I'm pretty good at that, right? I'm really pretty good at pointing. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go right out of my way and say, you or you, I get in trouble. My wife says, don't point your finger when you're preaching. <laughs> People will think you're talking at them. <laughs> but listen, think about how we act, how we talk, how we respond to people or respond to things on a daily basis. I'll give you a great example. Think about how your first reaction to respond to something on Facebook or something you read in the paper or something you watch on TV. That very first initial response. Before you've had time to think it through, how do you act? I don't watch the news because I get growly and I get angry and frustrated. So negative. But that's my first reaction. Because I'm ready to point the finger at I watched last week and they talked about gun control. And I'm like, you know, and before you know it, you're all frustrated because those are the things that I'm ready to point my finger at other, at other people. And maybe I should be pointing the finger back at me. Job recognizes in his life that he needs to see where he's at. In Romans uh, chapter 12, it says, for by grace we are saved. Not, and not of our own, not of our own. Nothing we can do. Romans chapter 3, we have all sinned. We're all missing the mark. Sin, I like the word sin. It has to do with archery, if you didn't know that. It, has, it means you missed it. You missed the target. We've all missed the target. Anybody see this this week? Made me laugh. If it didn't... If you have no clue, I'll explain. I don't know if you heard about Steve Harvey last, I don't know, it's probably a week ago. Biggest, I mean, it's, talk about big news, right? Steve Harvey's doing the Miss Universe pageant. He's the, uh, he's the guy who's going to announce it. He, got, he has his card in front of him, and somehow in the process, it said first runner-up, and he misses that. <laughs> Honest mistake. Well, he actually announces the wrong Miss Universe. And I assume it was live TV. So what do you do when you announce the wrong Miss Universe, right? Ugh! You eat crow and you go back out there and you fix it. Of course, I don't know if you saw all the stuff that was on TV and all the... I mean, it was just crazy. They had it on every channel the next day to see Steve make a fool of himself. So what's Steve do? He doesn't get defensive. This is what he puts on Instagram 
Christmas Eve. It says, Happy, Happy Easter, y'all. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was great. He actually got on and he did an interview this past week and he said, just a, I made a mistake. I made, and, I, and I thought about it when I heard that. I thought, how often do we hear people in our, re, in our regular life, our daily life, not to mention get on TV and say, you know what? I messed it up. Not very How Let me ask you this. We'll make it more personal. How often are you willing to go to that spot and say, you know what? I messed it up. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. See, that's what Job is doing in, in, in verse 2. He recognizes that he was wrong. He recognizes that he was wrong, and he wants to make it right. What a view we could take in 2016 if we would recognize that we are wrong when we are wrong and make that change. So there's this understanding that we think we can be good enough to get into heaven. We think we're good enough. If I do more good than I do bad, I'm going to... As long as I get the scales, like that teeter-totter, right? As long as I get the scales of good up above the scales of bad, I'm going to make it. God will be okay with me. And Scripture is not... That's not what it says in Scripture. It says... You need to come to the cross. You need, there's no good. There's not enough good in us to get us to heaven. We need Jesus. We need Jesus in our lives, in our hearts. We need to accept that part. Because that's, that's where it makes the most sense. Second thing is Steve... Or Steve that... Uh, Steve Harvey on my brain. The th- second thing that Job uh, talks about in, in verse 3 and 4 is that uh, we need to get out of God's way. We need to recognize that we sometimes get in God's way. It says on, in verse 3, uh, he, re- he just responds to what God has said. You ask, who is this obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I didn't understand, things too wonderful for me to know. I wonder how often we get in the way of God's plans. When we think we're going to fix the problem. When we say, I got this one, God. No, we don't, really, we don't really say, I got this one, God, now do we? Because that would be pretty, pretty bold of us to say it. But we grab a hold. We grab a hold. We jump right back into our old ways. I love to jump right back into my old ways and, and do it the way I used to do it or the way that I've always done it instead of letting God lead by faith. God says, who are you that did this without fully understanding? We forget that God has a purpose for our lives. 
Luke chapter 12 says, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten by God. The very hairs on your head, some of us have less than others, are numbered. When's the last time you counted the hairs on your head? And yet God knows the hairs on your head. See, God knows. And God cares. He didn't forget about us. He didn't just give up on us. He didn't, if, if there was a guy who would think that God forgot about him, it would be Job. If you read through the passage, you, you find out pretty quick. There's a lot of stuff going on to Job. And I can see how Job would feel that way. But if I'm honest about myself, the little bumps in the road probably aren't that big a deal. And I have no reason to feel that way. And yet, I feel that way. There's a great example in the Old uh, Testament. um, In Deuteronomy. You know when the Israelites got out of Egypt, right? God said, you know what God said to them when they were leaving Egypt? Before they left Egypt? I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from the yoke, under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. And I will bring you to the land I swore with an uplifted hand to give to Abraham. I will give you it as a possession. God tells the Israelites, I'm going to get you out of Egypt and I'm going to move you to the promised land. Do you remember what happened in the story? Great great story, right? It took them 40 years. They got pretty comfortable on the mountain. They got out of Egypt, but they didn't go to the promised land. And I love the passage that says it took 14 days to go from A to B. <laughs> Think about that. It took 14 days of walking to go from A to B. And how long did it take the Israelites to go from A to B? 40 years. 40 years. Do you remember what drove them to get to the promised land? There was a passage. <laughs> Actually, God spoke. He said, you stayed long enough at the mountain. Break camp and let's go. I always wonder, what, how long would it have been if he didn't say that, right? If God hadn't said, listen, it's time to go, kids. They'd gotten pretty comfortable. They had 40 years in any spot. You know, you live in a spot for 40 years, you get pretty comfortable. They had all their stuff. It was getting pretty nice. But it wasn't the promise. They just kind of let the rut, they got in the way. And oh man, don't we get in the way of God. It's easy to build that tent and stay, stay in our little campground and uh, never move from that spot. And that's what the Israelites had gotten into. They got into this rut of, this is the ordinary. This is what we do. Finally, God says, I've had enough. I've had enough. Break camp. Let's go. So let me ask you the hard question. 
What do you do when God says, break camp and let's go? Because we care a whole lot less about the Israelites, right? Because they're not here today. But you're here today. What do you do when God says, break camp, let's go? I want you to move. Spiritually, you need to move. You need to be growing. You need to stretch yourself. You need to be involved in this or not involved. Those are the, one of the things that I, I think that God has, is so powerful in working in our lives is, when, is those times when we are involved in some things that we shouldn't be involved in anymore. And we know it. We know it full well that those are things that are not good, that are not profitable to us in our spiritual walk, and yet we hang on to them so tight. God wants to move us from those and we grip them. We just are afraid to let go. It's a challenge. It's a challenge to us. So let me ask you, what's what's in the way? What's in the way? What is it in the way that you need to move out of the way for 2016? See, we're going to come back. It's going to be 52 more weeks, and we're going to be right back in the same spot, and you're going to be saying, I need a spiritual resolution, right? Or you can say, I made a spiritual resolution to be involved, to get closer to God. Whatever it is, you know. God knows. You have a choice, but you've got to make that choice. It requires trust, which maybe is the hardest part. That's the hardest part to get connected with. It's easy to talk about it, but it's hard to trust. It's hard to take that step. I think about when we, we, do a, when we talk at, uh, at the very end of the message, and we always offer the altar as an, an opportunity to come forward. And boy, doesn't that, isn't that where the rubber meets the road? When I was 14 years old, I don't know, I was a teenager. We were, uh, I was at a camp, and that's where the rubber met the road. And I was terrified to get out of that seat. Terrified to go up, up front. But God, God gives you that ability. And we're going to do that this morning. There'll be an opportunity for you to come up, to share your heart, to, say, to, to leave it at the altar. And you can sit there all day. You can, you can come back next week and sit in the same spot. And the next week, you'll sit in the same spot. And the next week, or you can have that, take a chance and get out of the pew and come and meet God in a new way. And the third part of this, uh, the passage that to me is the most powerful is that Job says, and this is the part I got really hung up on, says, my ears have heard of you. But now my eyes have seen you. As you read through Job, you find out that Job was doing all the right things. Job actually sacrificed animals to make sure his kids hadn't sinned. Or if they had sinned, he was covering up, he was going to cover the sins of his sons when they had their parties just to make sure everything was okay. Job knew all there was to know about what he was supposed to do. So why at the end does he say, my ears have heard of you, 
But now my eyes have seen you. Now I've experienced you. I've experienced you, God. It's more than just going through the rituals, going through the traditions, going through those things. I've experienced you. I've had that experience. He focused on the new. Job focused on the new. It was new. This experience was, I I saw you with my eyes before I had heard about you. But now I've, I've experienced you. He focused on the new things in life. I love this picture. You can still see the flowers away from the glasses, right? But boy, the focus through the glasses is a whole lot better. A whole lot easier to see. You know, there's, a, uh, there's a passage in Acts uh, that talks about Paul and Silas. And Paul and Silas... Uh, we're, we're ministering, and, and there was a, a young lady who, uh, who was possessed. Or she, had, she had, said she had the gift of prophecy, and she said, you guys need to listen to these people. Anyway, long story short, they got put in jail in the process. Acts 16 is where it's at. They got put in jail after they were beaten. Sounds like a rough day. What were they doing in jail? In midnight. They were singing and praising God. They had recognized and experienced God in a powerful way. They understood that God had changed their life. I don't know about you, but I don't really want to sit in a jail being chained to things and uh, beaten. And I would have a hard time singing hymns and praising God in the process of that. One of the things I don't know, you don't know either, is what 2016 will bring. Maybe a great year, and maybe a difficult year. The question is how are you going to look at that this year, upcoming? I love this picture. It says, My ears have heard you, but now my eyes have seen you. Interesting to me that as we, watch, as we read through Scripture, we find out that the biggest impact in people's lives is not always the happy times. But rather, it's most often the difficult times in our life. The challenging times in our life. One of the things that uh, sticks out in my, in my mind is marriage. We always think, my, my youngest is planning a wedding this summer. And we always think that getting married is such a happy thing, right? It's such an exciting thing. How much more exciting can it be? Young love, you know. They're up till three in the morning watching TV. They're back up. It's, you know, together. They spend every waking moment together. It's kind of gross. But <laughs> don't tell them I said that, you know. They're... 
But I want you to think about this. And, and as, as if, you, if you haven't been married all that long, you'll have a, harder, a little harder time understanding this. But if you've been married for a long time, you'll really connect. Marriage is not for the good times. Marriage is for the difficult times. Think about that just for a moment. When is marriage the most important? The most difficult day of your life can be okay if you have someone in your life to be with. Think about that just for a moment. It's, it's kind of backwards, and yet it's true. And the older I get, and I watch my parents, my in-laws, and I watch all these people around me, that marriage is most important in the tough days. It's just the way it is. And it's in Scripture we find it. The difficult days are what cement our faith. They help us to grow. They make us strong. Why? Why? Because we are able. We realize that we are not able to do anything on our own. That God is what makes the difference. That's what makes the difference. See, we can't fix everything in life. We can't fix the problems we have. There are times we just have to trust God. There are times we just have to trust God. Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you this morning. I just thank you for your passage in Job. I thank you, Lord, that we can see through Job's honesty that he understood that he didn't have it all figured out in and of himself, that he couldn't fix the problems that he had in his life. Job was able to realize that he needed to, to, to rest his life upon you. Lord, help us to rest our life upon you. Lord, I pray for those who have no recollection, no relationship, no connection with you. Lord, they've heard of who you are, but they've never seen you. They've never experienced you in their life. Lord, it makes a difference. It makes all the difference. It's the hope in a hopeless world. I pray, Lord, even right this moment that people would, be felt, uh, would feel your hand upon them. Lord, that you would soften their hearts, that they would come and, and meet you at the altar this morning, give their life to you, and experience the excitement of who you are. Lord, I thank you that you love us so much. I thank you, Lord, that you care for us. And you just want a relationship with us. Lord, soften our hearts this morning. In your name we pray. Amen.